You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. What's up, music junkies? This is the Modern Musicology Podcast. My name is Alan, and I've got my co-hosts with me, Rob Levy. Word. Stephanie Seymour. Hello, people. And we've got a big show today. We're going to be talking about all kinds of things. But first, literally right before we started recording, we saw the article. Okay, we're recording on... February 21st, Mm -hmm. we just literally saw the article that says the Beatles and the Rolling Stones are reportedly collaborating on a new album. Crazy. What? What? Insane. So, um, I don't remember, it was like months ago, there was a meme that was going around where somebody was like, you know, the Rolling Stones are down to bass player and a drummer, and the Beatles have a bass player and a drummer, (laughs) just saying. So... I just, you know, my headcanon is that they saw that meme and they were like, you know what? That's yeah. true. We should do it. I mean, so. really, that would be, if this is true, which we think it is, right? Because it is Variety you're looking yeah, at. This, yeah, it was uh, Variety that reported that, saying that recording sessions took place in Los Angeles in recent weeks. Hey, I was just in Los Angeles. I know. What? You didn't they see them? They should have called me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, I think that, I think it's a very... um it's truthful probably because of variety and variety. I mean, I don't know. And it's not like they're the Bible, but still. Well, no, but they're more reputable than yeah. other sources. Frank's music <laughs> guy, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's been, exactly. it's been in a couple other places though, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's making the rounds. Wow. So reading the, reading the article, it says that McCartney was there already recorded bass parts for the forthcoming Rolling Stones project while Ringo is due to record in the studio very soon. Okay. Hmm. That's Someone interesting that they on track Ringo right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's the big breaking news this week. So um, cool. We'll have to see how that develops. Yes. You know, maybe we'll have more to say about it uh, in next week's show. Yeah. Anyway. So tonight our topic is when celebrities record music, Rob, this was your idea, so why don't you set it up for us? So this topic started because I was starting to think about how all the ways the film and music, which I both love, were overlapping. And it got me thinking about how people like Frank Sinatra and Elvis and Bing Crosby and uh, Marie Chevalier were like crossing over and doing films and music. And then I started realizing that, wow, there's a lot of people that were actors or actresses that made records. And I will say that a large portion of them are freakish and scary, right? (laughs) But some of them are actually really interesting. So it got me kind of thinking about what happens when celebrities make records. Like I remember um, as a sort of fixed point in time of my childhood when the Eddie Murphy Party All the Time record Oh my God, totally. Jesus. That thing was everywhere, right? (laughs) It was. 
It was too bad. <laughs> it also was the same, roughly the same time that the uh, Revenge of Bruno Bruce Willis album oh, came out. So yeah. I started thinking Most about worse. this. Yeah, and I thought it'd be a really cool topic to just sort of talk about that mm-hmm. trend because it seems like it originally started off with like musicians making films, and then now the trend is sort of backwards, where actors and musicians and folks are making music. So that that sort of sets the table for it. I like it. I, yeah, I kind of feel like this is a thing like, you know, you you actors, they have all these side gigs, you know, like they develop a perfume and they start a clothing line and maybe they record a single or an album or something because they're like, it's a you brand. know, just exactly. They're expanding their brand. And so I kind of, you know, that's the way I kind of look at this. Like, it's not necessarily novelty because some of them actually are like really talented and aren't just singers, they're songwriters as well, or musicians and performers or whatever. But, you know, I kind of see it as like one of those things where it's like, I've got my my furniture line in Rooms to Go, and yeah. I've got my new album on Spotify. It, you it know? can definitely be like that. Yes. It can. I don't think it, yeah. and I think a lot of the stuff that I want to talk about t- tonight isn't that. Like, I think it's, mm-hmm. I yeah. want to talk more about cooler things that I like that are that I was either pleasantly surprised by or whatever, but I know we're going to hit on some pretty bad topics too, which is going to be fun. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of what I was doing too. I sort of steered away just toward things that I really like and actually have a connection to and not necessarily the yeah party all the time and kind Bruce of Willis. songs, you know what I mean? But since we're on that, let's just, you know, the, to me, the first two things you think of when you think of these kind of things is Shatner yeah. and Hasselhoff. Totally. And so where do those two fall on that spectrum? And uh, Stephanie, I know you've got some stuff to say about Shatner. Well, I do. So for anyone who doesn't know, uh, William Shatner had an album out called The Transformed Man in 1968. Um, There are some incredibly insane performances on there, which it's, you know, like a spoken word over bizarre sounds some of my two of my favorite things were Mr. Tambourine Man and Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. If you hear Lucy oh, yeah. in the Sky with Diamonds, you're going to be tripping with no acid. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's like this album was almost so bad that it's great. Like it's gotten cult status and it's, you know, I mean, there's really like a, you know, everybody knows about this album because of how crazy it is. So, um, I also, I read a great quote that sort of proves my point, which is all music reviewed it in 2011. And they said, it's unclear if Shatner's merely having a good time or goofing around, or if he's embarrassingly dead serious and creating an overly indulgent work. You cannot tell if he's play acting or is painfully serious. Mm -hmm. The result is a must hear comedy classic. And they compared him to Andy Kaufman. Like they thought maybe it could have go down that that rabbit hole. Yeah, that's a really interesting comparison. Yeah. I know that his subsequent albums too, he's collaborated with a lot of other famous people. So he has really tried to put a serious spin on it. But unfortunately, because of that first record, um, it's just really hard to take him seriously, you know? Um, But you know what? When you hear a Shatner records coming out, you listen to it. (laughs) Yeah. So <laughs> hoping you for another. Do. You're just like, what what the hell is this gonna be? But you listen to it. <laughs> yeah. And then of course, like Hasselhoff, you were saying, Alan, that's you know, but hey, he's huge in Germany and he's had a super <sighs> huge career. Exactly. Oh. I mean, I don't feel like for for the for the Hoff, 
that it's yeah. you know like a, a side gig like it is for no. Shatner. Shatner, I don't know that he, you, it, like you're saying, it is hard to know whether he was taking himself seriously and this is really a thing that he was putting out there, or if it was you know let's let's have a lark and you know go in the studio and have fun. But for Hasselhoff, I mean, he's this is something that's been going on for decades for him, and he, I mean, it is something that's serious for yeah. him, and he has a huge amount of success with it worldwide, not necessarily in America where it's treated more jokey yeah but outside of the u.s he's he's huge i don't know mm -hmm. that people think of him as an actor first i was in vienna and i went record shopping in vienna and the great thing about record shopping is vienna is obviously they have all these great classical music stores and stuff and i'm just going to all these different stores and i stumbled into one that is kind of a chain and i was really excited the day before because leonard cohen was playing so i get there and there's this like obnoxiously long line and i'm like okay i'm gonna get in line whatever Right. So I get in the line. I was talking to the one, somebody else who was in line with me to get Leonard Cohen tickets. And they were from uh, from Canada. And I'm like, I can't believe um, all these people are here at the last minute to get Leonard Cohen tickets. And he was like, no, no, no. They opened up more Hasselhoff tickets. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? So where Leonard Cohen was playing this this you know really beautiful hall and stuff right across the street where mozart you know the mm. vienna opera house mm. which is huge friggin hasselhoff is there you know i got up there and uh, by the time i got to the leonard cohen line there was like they were gone right <laughs> but i asked the guy i'm like so hasselhoff it's a real thing and he goes you see that whole wall there and i go yeah he goes that is all hasselhoff so the basic the basic tenet is we go to a record store in vienna it's all classical music Hasselhoff and Falco. That's pretty much it. Right? Falco, Jesus. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was, and it was like, yeah, he's a phenomenon over I, there. I, we were walking around the next couple of days in Vienna, and there's people wearing Hasselhoff tour shorts, and like it was like it shirts. Was I hope weird. not shorts. Exactly. <laughs> <It was just laughs> and, or or maybe not. They could be tour weird. shorts. Baywatch shorts. shorts. I, did I say shorts? Right. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, tour shirts. Anyway, it was very weird. Yeah, yeah. So he's he is a thing, but uh, I can think of better things. Yes. Yeah, that's the truth. All right. So let's talk about some of the serious ones. I mean, we can still do jokey ones too. Yeah. I mean, we haven't really talked about party all the time yet. But uh, talk about some of the ones that are some of your favorites. I'll start with the. I guess if you are a person born in the late half of the twentieth century, there's two of them that kind of kickstart all this and that's the blues brothers yeah. Um, oh yeah the blues like brothers for me you know being a fan of snl to, you know but being really too young at the time to know like how subversive snl was um it was really cool to see that and my brother snuck me into a theater to see it without telling my parents which was <laughs> awesome and i didn't at the time know who half the people in the movie are that i know now right yeah yeah but like it's just in terms of like musicians that are doing a parody, but are also serious about their credit. There's, there's just something about it that you just can't put your finger on. It's like, it is, you know, by all intentions, you know, comedy and stuff, but they are dead serious. The, the amount of passion that they love mm. that music. Yeah. And you hear Dan Aykroyd talk about the blues now. Yeah. He talks about the blues like a scholar. It's pretty crazy. So the yeah. Blues Brothers is one. And the other one, which I wasn't really serious at the time, um, but kind of evolved into being serious and funny at the same time with Spinal Tap. Yeah. 
everybody I knew was into Spinal Tap when I was a little kid. Yeah, I mean that the songs were hilarious and but they were actually good. I mean, they were parodies, obviously, and we know that, but they were good songs, yeah, if not hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can't believe that I being the SNL aficionado that I am and and a, a studier of the history of the show, I can't believe that the fucking blues brothers did not occur to me in this topic. What's like I'm blown away that it didn't enter my head at all. I took it says jet lag. You're fine. If that could be it. <laughs> Thank you for giving me that out. <laughs> it's the jet lag and the hobnobbing with the rich and famous. You're fine. Excellent. If I can, uh, from the brothers um, point of view, I'm going to talk about the Bacon brothers really quick. Yeah. 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 Um, and not just because I know Frank Filardi, who's a friend of mine, the drummer in the band, who is also a wonderful, oh, he's an amazing drummer. And he, he plays with Donny Osmond too, um, amongst many other people. My talented friend, Julia Greenberg whose band I was in for a while and we all played together. So Frank has been their drummer since 95. Um, so yeah, the Bacon Brothers, they have eight albums. I mean, they they mm-hmm. played together since they were really young, but they didn't really become a like a working band until about, I think it was 1994. So, I mean, they've done just so many tours and they've played, They you know what I like about them too? They do a lot of charity stuff. They do concerts and benefits and stuff or for charity, mm-hmm. but like, you know, Michael Bacon is an associate professor in the music prop program at Lehman College. He's gotten an Emmy for composing a soundtrack on the PBS series, The Kennedys. Um, you know, these, they're, he's not like, there's no, they're not slouches, you know, they're real. Right. And gosh, I, I love their voices. And I, Kevin, especially, I think he's got such a good voice. And I love when they post, he posts little videos of him and Kira singing together just really casually. Oh yeah. She can sing too. And she's on his, she's on, uh, does like backup work, yeah. singing work on their record. And mm-hmm. I don't think there's a whole generation of people who didn't know Kevin Bacon could sing until they saw the guardians of the galaxy Christmas special this year. Mm. <laughs> and it's completely sort of huh. changed the, oh my God, he can sing, but like you, you can tell he sings. And you can tell yeah. that he loves music. Yeah. And if you ever hear him, like I remember when he was talking about Footloose, when Footloose came out, when I was young, he was just really talking about like all this stuff in interviews about the power of music and how music can move mountains and stuff. So I think he's I think he's been a music person as long as he's been an actor. Oh, yeah. And the two yeah. times I've seen them, the first time I wasn't really sure what to expect, right? Because it was right after one of the records came out and I didn't really know much, but I was blown away. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a really good sort of it's it, it, it's like a really good bar band, but the next level up from a bar band. Yes. If that makes sense. I mean, it's really good stuff. Well, yeah. the interesting thing is that they they it's not like they shy. away. You know, he's a big name. It's not like they shy away from the club scene. That's where they do a lot of their stuff. They're, they play in, you know, shitty bars and stuff like that. And I think that's amazing. I, they are absolutely the real deal. Yeah, Definitely. And like I said, I like how they do a lot of charity and benefits yeah. and stuff like that. And, you know, yeah. use their name for good things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. what do you got, Alan? Well, okay. So, um, two actors that are sort of related that I'm thinking of that, that sort of like follow on from this. Uh, they're both from Stranger Things. <gasps> one of my favorite television shows. The first one um, I've been sort of following for the past year or so, and uh, it's Joe Keery who plays Steve. Yes. And he has a side project, sort of a kind of a band. It's, it's basically him called Joe, D-J-O. 
And I have talked about them on our show before. I talked about them last year. They were one of my picks of the week. Um, they've put out two albums. Uh, there was uh, 2020, which came out in 2019, and Decide, which came out this past year. And I think they're really good. It's, it's an interesting mix of very modern uh, production techniques with some of their stuff has sort of a beatly sound to it. You know, I think it's really, really cool stuff. He's a great songwriter, great singer. He's a guitar player and a drummer as well. Mm -hmm. So he is like this total dude package. And he's, you know, just got this stuff going that's completely aside from his acting career. And I think it's super cool. And his co-star on Stranger Things is Maya Hawk, who plays Robin. And she is, I think, a little more recently... Uh, launching into her music career. She has an album out that came out in September 2022 called Moss. And it's so great. It's kind of dreamy, kind of quiet. It's, it's you know, kind of like a sweet um, pop kind of thing where she's doing the singery songwriting. It's, it's sort of Phoebe Bridgery mm. um, in her approach. And, and I think it's really cool. Um, it, it's of course, you know, her, her voice is kind of breathy and it's sort of like, you know, low key sort of stuff. It doesn't ever really like kick up its heels and, you know, throw a guitar into the wall or anything like that, but it's really, really cool stuff. So I highly recommend if you're stranger things fans, particularly, yes, I am. then I highly recommend, uh, Joe Keery and Maya Hawk. And what's and her record called? Moss. Did you say Moss? Moss. Yeah. Moss. Okay. Mm -hmm. So good stuff. Good stuff. Cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll pivot off of that uh, sort of pivot. pivot. So David Harbour, who is on Stranger oh, Things. Stranger Things. Look at that. Look at right? this. Um, used to um, be with a woman before I was with Lily Allen. I uh, was with a woman named Allison Sodal, who was in Fantastic Beasts. And she has made a series of, of albums that sort of have that massive attack Portis head kind of thing going on. Ooh. And mm. those records are all very nice. And they remind me of a record that I'm sure that you'll talk to in a little bit, Steph, from Gillian Anderson. But yeah, yeah. It, it was sort of sort of like that kind of thing, kind of like atmospheric and electronic. And, and then the other interesting one um, that I didn't really think of until today, actually, um, was Clint Eastwood. Um oh outside of composing the scores for a lot of his films, right. And playing piano and stuff, he recorded, um, he did a film called Bronco Billy uh, that came out in 1980. And he did a song called Bronco Billy with Merle Haggard. And then he also did a song called beers to you from any which way, but loose kids ask your parents with Ray Charles. Right. And then he made this record that I, I have in my collection and I don't know where it came from. But it's basically Rawhide's Clint Eastwood plays cowboy favorites, and it's all him playing cow. But the voice is really good, right? Huh. Now, I would venture to say that his scoring for his films, the stuff that he does, is way more in the composition classical kind of realm or contemporary jazz, more, more than classical. But um, that stuff is a little more interesting because you don't hear him sing on it, but it's interesting that he has this thing with his movie sometimes where he does some of the scores for it. I honestly uh, had no idea. Yeah. His brother makes music too, but yeah. Wow. 
you know, that makes me think of Patrick Swayze too, because mm-hmm. he has done sort of the same thing, not with the score, but he will record songs for his movies and you know, like Roadhouse, Next of Kin. But his his big hit was from Dirty Dancing. She's like the wind, mm-hmm. which was from 87. And he co-wrote the song, sings it. it it's It's not really my thing, but it's such a great song. Hmm. Yeah. And it was, I don't remember, I didn't look up the chart position. I don't know how high it got, but it had to have been at least I in the top in 10. The, yeah. Um, because it was it was everywhere. And that, mo- of course, you know, on the power of that movie, which was yeah. dominated everything for like a year. And that, so that song had to have hit number one if it didn't, yeah. you know, just make it up into the top three or whatever. Yeah. But man, it's a, it's a really good song. And yeah. uh co-wrote it and i didn't i didn't really look up any of the other songs from his that he did from other soundtracks to compare them but she's like the wind from 87 that was a that was a slam dunk for him hmm. that's that's actually i forgot completely forgot about him so that that's awesome rob i'll uh i'll go uh onto the jillian anderson one if that's cool if you yeah want. no that's fine I, I don't know if you were finished with your uh no because i i have that record because this woman that worked at a record label <laughs> yes, I might have worked this record. So I'm going to talk about actually both the X-File stars <laughs> um, who both are kind of musical on the side. Um, yeah, so Gillian Anderson did, did a, it was really a single um, called Extremis um, by, a, it was a band called Hal. They were like a UK kind of techno-y group. And she did the vocal it was really a very kind of talking, whispery kind of track over over some ambient kind of music. Um, it was released on Virgin in 1997, and I worked it. I was, you know, honestly, I mean, it's not the greatest thing. It's it. The video was was kind of cool. It's like this futuristic, like sexy robot slow mo kind of video, and she's looking sexy in it and everything. So, um, but I just loved, you know, X-Files was my favorite. I was obsessed since as was <laughs> my boss. And we did, we were like, we're working a Jillian Anderson record. <laughs> so that was pretty exciting. And also there was some remixes of that track that were kind of, you know, it was just like the whole remix scene and there was extended plays and all that. So that was something that was, I mean, it was a serious record. It wasn't like some throwaway thing. And I know she's really into music. So the other, um, and I just want to talk about Dave Duchovny now because he's got three albums out, and the I think this is very interesting. He he loves music and he loves writing, and he did not put his first album out until he was fifty five years old. And I think it's so cool that he started this whole thing later in life, and mm. and I get, think he's been getting better and better as he does it. So this, so I want to talk about his third album, which just came out a couple of years ago. It's called Gesture Land. Um, it was actually sort of started pre-pandemic, but then he continued um, putting it together during lockdown. They had their own studio somewhere in New York and they were recording the tracks there. It's, it's, it's good. It's like, there's good mix of like rock and Americana kind of folky kind of songs. Um, The track, the musicians are all great. Like the tracks themselves and musical tracks, I think are really good. The one thing that kind of, I'm not sure if I can like it or not, but it, it he speaks in such a distinct manner and he sings in this, in a similar manner. Like I can't, I can tell that it's him very like it within two notes, you know, mm-hmm. you know, that it's, it's almost like you can hear him talking 
when you're hearing them sing. But uh, you know how some singers, you just can't believe that that's them when they talk. You're like, the voice sounds completely different from the singing voice, the speaking voice and the singing voice. It's not like that. To, to me, he sounds very much like he when he speaks. So I'm not sure I love that, but it's not bad. And he's got a decent voice. So I just like the fact that he that he started doing it later on and he's he's going with it. He's got a novel as well. Oh, yeah. He's a writer, too. Yes. And he, mm -hmm. he even said, like, I wish I started writing in my 20s and my 30s. But yeah. both of these started doing later on, you know. Yeah. But good yeah, for um, him. I'm, I'm, this is unrelated to our topic, but I'm sure you are familiar with the song, David Duchovny. Why don't you love me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I love that song. By some somebody named Bree Sharp. I, I don't know who she is. I don't think she ever had another hit besides that one song yeah. and you know it was main, mainly the the novelty of it being about you know the most yeah. famous actor in the world at that time <laughs> um but it's such a cute song and i used to be in a band i talked about them before a band called hyperdrive that did like sci-fi and fantasy-ish songs you know and we used to do that song because <laughs> it was about david duchovny and it's <laughs> such a cute song i love it that's cool <laughs> And circling back to SNL, because I know, Alan, you've got one you want to talk about, too. But I am not necessarily the world's biggest authority on bluegrass music. But the oh, yeah. Steve Martin record, The Crow, when I yeah. first heard that, and I've seen him perform on TV and stuff. It's just such an interesting second act for a career, just yeah. to play this bluegrass musician. It's not a gimmick. He is like... No. Full on impassioned about it, and he's a serious banjo player. He is. And it's, he's amazing. He, yeah, he is a seriously, seriously good banjo player, and I just love the fact that he has this thing that he's known for that is a complete one eighty from everything else. Like everybody else is making pop records or dance records or rap records, and he's making a bluegrass record. Yeah, it's yeah. like all right, that's cool. So, yeah, yeah. You know, he used to use the banjo in his comedy act all the time. Oh, and yeah. It was, it was always pictured on the album covers of his comedy records and stuff. And he, it was mainly a prop. And he would play some, and you would get a sense that he was an actual player. But it's not until you really dig into that bluegrass stuff of his that you realize what a serious musician he is. Mm -hmm. He's amazing. He's just one of my absolute heroes. So since you brought up the SNL train, I'm just going to jump on it and talk about Maya Rudolph, who Which is I one of my favorite SNL stars. I just absolutely adore her. And, and of course, she's the daughter of Minnie Ripperton. So she's, you know, her musical uh, pedigree is a is a serious one. She's a great singer. She's been mm -hmm. in a, a few bands. But the thing that I want to bring up is that after Prince passed away in 2016, she and a friend of hers started a tribute band called Princess. Oh my and goodness. they would, they played just like all the other place. And they did, they were on talk shows and award shows and things like that. But they, they have played actual concerts and stuff like that. And they play the hits, but they go to deep cuts as well. And that man, she's a, I love her. She's an amazing talent. And um, go look up some of the YouTube videos of her and her princess. I will. It's really cool. I, I really loved every, every skit that I would see her and when she would sing would be just amazing. Cause, cause you know, a lot of them on Saturday Night Live can sing, but she's yeah, got yeah. one of the better 
really do, the better do, voice. Do you remember the one that she did where she was kind of spoofing the oversinging of the national anthem at a yeah. baseball game? <laughs> Jesus, that was the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I just like look at, I think of her face and I just start laughing because she's amazing. <laughs> she is. And, and it's a real talent when you are that good a singer to sing down. You know what I yes, mean? To yes, kind of like yes. sing <laughs> under your, to be a bad singer. Your ability, when right. When you're an excellent singer <laughs> yeah. to to take on the bad singing kind of thing. Because she also did, she used to do uh, Whitney Houston as well as, yeah. a, as a character, you know. And, she, and when that last Whitney Houston album came out and she did an appearance somewhere and her voice was like really rough. Oh, yeah. And, and Maya jumped on that and it was, yeah. God, mean but hilarious. <laughs> right. So I'm going to go out on a, for another uh, comedic actress. So while everybody knows her very well for her comedic abilities, um, Katie Segal. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Who actually she started as a musician, but then she really got well known for her married with children, you know, and, and other things, mm-hmm. but especially Peg Bundy married with children. So she started in 73. She was a backup singer for, um, Wow, so many people. Bob Dylan, Etta yeah. James, Tanya Tucker, and Bette Midler. She sung on Gene Simmons' solo record. She sung on Molly Hatchett's record and Olivia Newton-John's record. Like, what a diverse, you know, kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So, I, to me, her voice reminds me of, like, a deeper-toned kind of Linda Ronstadt, almost meets Bette Midler, but... I don't know. She's got an amazing versatile range and she's incredible. Mm-hmm. So I worked a rec- her first record, which was on Virgin. These are all the people that I worked, right? <laughs> her, the album was called Well, and um, it came out in 94. It had, it had so many crazy people on it that I also worked uh, as at, when I was at Island and Virgin, like Roger Manning and Andy Sturmer from Jellyfish were on it. Rupert Hine, Brent mm. Bourgeois from Bourgeois Tag. Oh, cool. Also, like people like Rita Coolidge were on it. So she's got this amazing, you know, set of people that are on the record. It it did okay, I think, at AC. It didn't do great, but her voice was was so spectacular. It's a little bit of a shame that it didn't do better. She had another album out, I think, like ten years later after mm-hmm. that. But and then she did a covers album too. Yeah. Um, yeah, which was cool. free. Have you ever heard, have you heard Free Fallen from that? She does a, a great vo- a version of that. It's mm-hmm. a great version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, her first album came out in 94. The second one was in 04. Yeah, like covers, 10 years later. Yeah, the covers one wasn't that long ago. And I don't remember when it came out. It came but... out in 2013, that one. I know that's called Covered. Oh, okay. And came out in 2013. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's almost 10 years ago, too. I know. <laughs> oh, that is 10 years ago. Holy shit. Holy shit. Oh my gosh! So, yeah, and she um, also yeah, so, did stuff with Sons of Anarchy sound soundtrack. She did, yeah, um, yeah. She's she did a little singing on Futurama, and mm-hmm. added to the soundtracks for uh, Sons of Anarchy. But I want to I want to go back to the year 1978, which we're going to be talking about in an mm-hmm. episode in a couple of months. Um, so a young me <laughs> buys four Kiss solo albums. They, they did this weird thing, but I'll talk all about it when we get to our 1978 uh, episode where each of the guys did a solo album 
branded as Kiss, put them out on the same day, and I went to the store and bought them all. <laughs> and Gene's album is wacko. It is stylistically all over the map. It's one of my favorite ones now because he was just on, it wasn't at all what you would expect from the demon from, <laughs> you know, the late seventies, but it is crazy. And I don't, and no, nobody knew who Katie Seagal was at the time. I don't remember years later, if I was going back and reading the liner notes and saw the name Katie Seagal and mm -hmm. was like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Or if I read it somewhere else and then went to the liner notes to double check. Yeah. But yeah, when I found out, because that that album has a lot of guest stars on it, Donna Summer and Cher and all these kind of people. And um, so when I found out that uh, Katie Seagal, mm -hmm. before she was Katie Seagal, yes. you know, was on the album too. And, and you can kind of hear her, especially in certain songs, when there's a lot of uh, backup vocals, you can kind of hear her voice cut through because it's very distinctive. It is. She's, I love her voice. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So I'm going to take this into the land of the weird. Um, <laughs> I, I remember, I, Steph, I remember when you worked the Julian Anderson record. And then, you know, I'd get these celebrity records every once in a while. And I'd just be kind of like, yeah, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I did not do much with the Butthole Surfers Johnny Depp record. I just didn't. The Friends <laughs> of P thing was okay. But I'm just like, okay, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. I just... And I know Depp has played with Jeff Beck and, um, yeah. you know, he's done his own music thing, but I just never really, I don't know, something about didn't didn't hit me, right? But I do um, remember the Keanu Reeves dog star. Oh, right. Yeah. And um, I'd have to say, out of two celebrity, the two celebrity people I've seen, like, in the last 20 years that really surprised me, dog star was interesting. I, I, they opened for Bowie and the Chili Peppers, which was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. But they played a show here. And I was really surprised at how good it was, right? And then um, the other one is I saw Kiefer Sutherland, and he's really got a whole, like, band thing going on that totally works. He'll do – I guess they'd call it new country or alt country or whatever, but mm -hmm. he's really, really hmm. much better. I didn't know he could, sung. Oh. Yeah. Did it you ever about, see Did you ever see Jared Leto's band, 30 Seconds to Mars? Uh, yeah. Yes. What did you think? I mean, because I don't I'm not wasn't crazy, but about them, but I thought in terms here's the thing. I saw I saw 30 seconds to Mars, and I'm like, okay, here's somebody that owns a T-Rex record. Yeah. You're yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I mean they weren't bad, but I just wasn't I don't know. I don't know. It didn't knock me over, no. Um that had the same effect upon me as when I saw Tracy Lords. I was at the limelight. Mm -hmm. And Tracy Lords was playing, and like they wouldn't let us leave. You're like, no, you gotta stay. It's like it's it's sort of <laughs> like the label, the label like won't let anybody leave, right? <laughs> right? And I thought, you know, I thought the visual aspects of it and the showmanship of it was was great. It's just like, why are you making a record, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's just one of those like, why are you making a record? Like, get out of here, right? <laughs> Unlike someone like Jamie Fox, who's made mm. like really good. I mean, I, yeah, I heard him in 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 Ray, and I knew he could sing. But the albums that he made after Ray, it's like, okay, this is a guy that knows his soul songbook mm -hmm. and he knows what songs work with his voice and what songs don't. And he knows how to make a record that is not too polished and doesn't, I guess, how do I put this for, for a celebrity? It's not an album where the celebrity tries too hard, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. He just seems very natural at it. Mm -hmm. um, so that record was really good too. That's cool. So. Hmm. 
I and, oh, um, and the Mini Driver records. Mini Driver, like, had a oh really yeah, good, really got great a good career. voice. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, good one. I want to talk about Seth McFarlane. I cannot say this name. Seth McFarlane. <laughs> For some reason, that last to? name is hard. Huh? <laughs> I said, do we have to? Do we have to? No, I'm, he, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, see, I love him. I think he's got <laughs> such a great voice. <laughs> all he right. does. He does he have does. a great voice. And he is a great writer yeah. of all styles of music. He's he's a serious talent. So you you know, if you if you see one episode of Family Guy and you see any song that yeah. he might sing in any character, you know he's got a voice. Yeah. But I didn't really know how great his voice was until I I, I think it might have been an award show where he sung, and I was just on the edge of my seat because I I just never knew how great it, the voice was. So man, this guy's got like he's got the great American songbook kind of voice. Yes, and he's done that kind of style, jazzy kind of swing band, big bandy kind of things. Yeah, man, he recorded like uh, I think it was six six of his seven albums at Abbey Road. And a couple of them had like the 65 piece orchestra and everything. Oh man, now we got to go back and amend our yeah. Abbey Road episode. Yeah. He recorded like a Christmas album there and did like, um, that one has like Nora Jones on it and Sarah Bareilles. Mm-hmm. Uh, he Is got that a one... Grammy nomination for the best traditional pop vocal album for uh, for his third album too. No one ever tells you. So yeah. he's, he's serious. Like he channels the, kind of Sinatra meets, I don't know. Like, the Christmas one was Holiday for Swing, right? Okay. And um, it was his second album, whatever it was, but it was se- second yeah. album. Yeah. Yeah. And um, In Full Swing was his fourth album, 2017. So No One Ever Tells You was hit number one on the jazz, US jazz yeah. chart. And uh, In Full Swing, number two. That's yeah. amazing. I know. Yeah. And he's he's incredible. Anyway, yeah, shout out to a, Seth. It was a lot of jazz standards. It wasn't like his yes. his, his writing, but I think all of his albums are pretty much covers. You know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But he that's that's the stuff that he loves. Yep, and he you, does. And he you do. hear the influence of it on the stuff that he writes for his shows. Yes, you do you really do? <laughs> some of those arrangements, some of those songs that he. <laughs> oh my goodness! It's just like the war, the the most like satirical and and just sarcastic hilarious yeah. lyrics to like amazing music you know and, and that's what makes them so funny is that they're written to be taken seriously yeah the the musical arrangements the lyrics are all done well yeah they're just funny did i ever tell you like i have a song called make migration is over it's the last song on my there are birds album that i actually sort of modeled after uh, after a family guy, I wanted it to be like family guy meets like, you know, like some kind of ja- all jazz really? hands kind of because <laughs> uh-huh. I want it to be kind of humorous, but, mm-hmm. but also good, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cool. I mean, I, I, I remember listening to the album, mm-hmm. but I didn't know about that connection to the Seth style. Yeah. That's really just cool. for that one song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> So uh, I also want to talk about kind of how sometimes celebrity record celebrities make records that border on the absurd, but they're also fun. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're really terrible, but sometimes they're fun. And, you know, in the same way that Thriller is delightful because you hear Vincent Price on rapping on Thriller. <laughs> right. The Christopher Lee records are just oh. high art. Those things are high art. They're so great. <laughs> I, I mean, 
uh, the Charlemagne record is just, you know, I had a I had a college rep, college radio rep call me. It's like we're working on this artist. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's Christopher Lee, blah, blah, blah. He's an older guy, blah, blah, blah. He was working at the metal and they were trying to cross it over. And I'm like, yeah, the hammer horror guy. He's like, what? It's Christopher Lee. What? I'm like, right. just go call me when you do your homework. Right. <laughs> um, but they're great. Oh my God, those records are so great. Um, and yeah. I think if Anthony were here, he'd probably have a lot more to say about the Christopher Lee records as well. But um, I love them. So, oh yeah, they're, they're phenomenal. And to be taken seriously, it's not like he, I mean, cause you know, it sounds like a joke, Christopher Lee doing like metal, but, yeah. but it's not, it's, it's, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking yeah, of metal also, iced tea metal kind. Yeah. 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 I like but, it. I mean, I'm not a huge, huge, huge fan of them, but I mean, I think he's, you know, he's, done it forever and yeah. he loves it and uh it's it's his thing and it you know deserves a shout out i also love the patrick mcnee kinky boots record that he made back in the day what uh, is it patrick what? mcnee made a record called kinky boots oh i thought you were talking about ice yeah me too i was like huh <laughs> like yeah. he didn't do anything yeah. but kinky boots okay yeah so that i love that record and then also the um abfab record that they did which is just incredibly stupid <laughs> and fun it is just bonkers bizarre. It's the Squeaky Pet Shop Boys darling. with Jennifer Saunders and Don French. Ah, oh, the best. And it's just so amazingly over the top, and it's fantastic. <laughs> On the stick into the metal tip, though, yeah. uh, it makes me think of uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, who yes. is an actual headbanger. Yeah. You know, she and her daughter, Willow. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. She was a musical guest on Saturday Night Live early this current season, I think second episode, and she was amazing. Wow. So she gets her performance and her songwriting and her love of of like the harder edge music from her mother, who was in a metal band called Wicked something. Wicked Wisdom. Ah. Wicked Wisdom. And they they got uh, added to the Ozfest lineup one time, and people did not appreciate that. No, because yeah, I don't know. I mean, but then I think once you listen to it, it's going to sell you on it. But but yeah, Jada, man, she's she's very very cool person. Yeah, yeah. Sort of on a more not it's not metal, but really just rock bluesy kind of gutsy music. Juliette Lewis has a oh, band. Yeah. Um, yeah, she has a record called Terra Incognita, which was from 2009. But then she did, uh, it was more like an EP. It had like a couple singles on it. And then there was five new songs, um, mm. Future Deep in 2017 that came out. But really, she if you, I love watching videos of her performing because she like spazzes out on stage. She just gets so into it that she just writhing around on stage and she goes into the audience and just like, body surfs and it's it's amazing she's a she's an incredible performer she's so intense and uh you know you could feel that from her in her acting and you you can feel that from her in her music Mm -hmm. she's super cool i love her all right well then i'm gonna go with good old scar joe scar joe scarlett johansson oh scar joe oh of course joe she um put out her debut album in 2008 Anywhere I Lay My Head, which was um, 
It's an interesting album. It's uh, it's, stylistically, it's very, it's all Tom Waits covers. So that tells you kind of what it's, it's like, but it sounds like you're walking through a dark, misty forest, Hmm. you know, with just a little bit of sunlight kind of glistening through the, the leaves or whatever. It's, it's very atmospheric. It's very, um, not really claustrophobic. That's not a good word to use, but, um, it's, it's really cool. I think it's a, a neat album and she's got a very interesting kind of husky voice. Um, really cool. And I think that's the album that Bowie appeared on did a couple of songs on. Yeah. And yeah, I, he did, um, falling down. I remember and Fannin street. That's right. Fannin street. So, yeah, I mean, she, her debut album, she pulls David Bowie in to, to do backup vocals for not her. Bad. <laughs> that's that's, that's I, a thing of, <laughs> I, I love her cover of I Don't Want to Grow Up. It's just fantastic. Hmm. Like Peter Pan? No, the Tom Waits song, I Don't Want to Grow Up. The Ramones, oh. covered, <laughs> the Ramones covered it later. Um, it's sort of like this like <laughs> crystalline disco nighttime record thing, but it's fantastic. And I'm going to lose it. I'm, I'm so glad that you're entertained by that, Stephanie. <laughs> yeah, I entertain myself. How stupid! Tom Waits is a long way away from Peter Pan. Her second album she did with Pete Yorn, yeah, which is really interesting. They 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 swap off vocals, and he I think he wrote everything on it basically. So yeah, her stuff is really cool. I'd I'd recommend checking that out. I was going to talk about Rick Springfield, but then I sort of second guessed myself. But he he really started as a musician, you know. He He did for many years. He was really just musician, and then he was really got known from General Hospital. Yeah, and then of course he put out his huge, huge hit singles and several records. I mean, but you know, right. So I I I don't know. I was sort of hesitant to mention him because really he was a musician first. Yeah, we got plenty of time. Go ahead. <laughs> I've done everything for you. So <laughs> you've done nothing for me. We'll just sing. Now we'll just sing the hits for everybody. Well, you guys <laughs> will. I, I'm not going to sing too much or we'll have to pay royalties to somebody. Okay. <laughs> and also, you know, the Joe Pesci record is surprisingly really good. I read about this, but which I have at not the heard time it. you're like, Joe Pesci made a record. Yeah. Vince, um, Vincent LaGuardia Gambino songs just for you. Right. And then you stop and you're like, oh, yeah, he was really tight with Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons. And if you watch the um, the Frankie Valli musical, you know, Joe Pesci's kind of got some mm-hmm. chops in that. But he basically grew up with all the people in Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons. And, you know, um, yeah. it's surprisingly good. It's not it's not great, you know, but it's, yeah. it's, it's okay. I wanted to talk about Johnny Depp, but, again, and then again, I also was like, um, you know, he did have Rock City Angels, you know, he started as a musician that then they had that record that came out. He did play on it, but he wasn't really, I don't think in the band much at that time. Yeah. Um, he, cause, because he had started his acting career. And then of course he's, you know, played on and off, here and there through his career. But I I was pretty shocked when I saw that he was going out with Jeff Beck, you know, to do that, that tour. Uh, So I don't know, I guess, I I guess he's better better than I thought he was, but I mean, Jeff, that's not going to have any slouch coming on tour with him just because 
he's Johnny Depp, you know? That's true. So I we probably should talk about things that are odd and peculiar. Um because there's a lot of them. Man, there's a lot of them. Yeah, um, name them. So I, I can start with in 2001, you know, I have these dreams. I, I, Steph, I think you understand this. And, and Alan, you do because you like record stores. But like you like, you know, you're as somebody that loves going to record stores and hearing new music. And as someone that's like, I'm in England, I'm going to hear like all the cool sounds first. Right. Yeah. Imagine my horror when I walk into a, a really indie record store in 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 London and you know I'm, I want to listen to like the new Rourke's Cop and there's a couple other things out that I'm kind of curious about and they're playing uh, a single and it's like what the fuck is this thing this is the weirdest four minutes of schmaltz I've ever heard and it was the Kate Winslet record Kate, um, Winslet, huh? Kate Winslet made a record called what if it was for a film that she was in and it was going to be the Christmas number one they were pushing it to be the Christmas number one and I just I'm just like I spend my entire life wanting to go to England to a record store. That's the first first record I hear in a record store in England, right? Um, and then I'm, I'm buying my stuff and I'm leaving. And everyone who made a purchase that day got a copy of the CD single in their bag for free. Oh, really? Wow, they were really so pushing that. When I was going through stuff the other day, I'm like, what the fuck do I have a Kate with? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, she did. But, but again, it's, she did it for a movie. And she's not a mm-hmm. bad singer. Mm-hmm. Um by any stretch it's just not really my thing right um but there's some folk you're like this is, you don't really need to do that right um but then there's things that are just terrible like i will never forgive uh, a friend of mine one year for christmas who gave me the steven seagal album um the songs from the crystal cave i think songs from the crystal cave yeah songs from the, i think it's songs from the crystal cave um which if you have it destroy it immediately um <laughs> See, you I know, didn't even know about that. It is the Steven Seagal record is everything that the Katie Seagal records are not. <laughs> and that's all I will say about that. <laughs> I also apparently had a 70 single by Jennifer Love Hewitt, who apparently made records. Yes, um, she did. That's right. Um, and I'm guessing if she did, then didn't Alyssa Milano make a record? Oh, I don't Probably. know. Yeah, I don't know. Probably. <laughs> I think so. Um, so there's those two, those two. And then somebody who made a really terrible record as a teenager was Brie Larson. Um, she made an album called uh, Finally Out of P.E. And it's like this very, <laughs> very much a 90s pop bubblegum record that's just... What a I title. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's odd. So there's a lot of weird stuff out there, too. I mean, it's just... When you think about some of this stuff um, and the fact that it's out there, you know, you're just like, why? You know, I think Ryan Gosling's made a record, you know, that you can kind of see that a little more, right? Uh, Burt Reynolds, I think, made a record. I think when um, Smoking the Bandit came out, he got really upset that Jerry Reed was making records. So I think for a while, Burt Reynolds thought he could make records. Mm-hmm. And those are bad. In the 70s particular, a lot of people made Records. Greg Evigan from BJ. And I the Bear. was just gonna say that. I was just gonna say Greg Evigan from yeah. BJ and the Bear. Yeah, well, it's, it's like Beetlejuice. He's gonna appear now. Um, <laughs> I, I that would be cool. I liked him, but like not his music. But he's but gonna. Cl- he will appear now, not not last. Yeah. He was in the seventies. <laughs> Claude Aikens made a record too. Right. Uh, will the Bear um, be there too? The no. Bear. You know, <laughs> The other, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one though that's great. A celebrity that made a record that's actually really like 
fascinatingly interesting at the time is Lauren Green's Ringo, which Wait. was like a top 10 record. Lauren and Green, like? Lauren, like Bonanza. Yeah. Okay. Who apparently like had a very deep voice and loved to sing, right? Hmm. Um, but he his record, Ringo, is like, this is actually like kind of cool. Um, and um, yeah. Hmm. Well, another one is David Soul. Oh, yes. How do we forget David Soul? Well, you know, how would you remember David Soul? But I love he, 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 yeah. So when he was in the middle of his Starsky and Hutch fame, he recorded a song called Don't Give Up on Us, Baby. Don't give, Don't up, give up on, on us, us, baby. Yeah. Which and that came out in 76. It was written by Tony McCauley, who was the guy who wrote, he wrote a ton of songs, but best known probably for Build Me Up Buttercup. Oh, my goodness. Right. And love grows where my rosemary goes. This is reminding me now of people I would never have thought of, like Life Garrett, who is, yep. um, you know, such a huge teen star at the time. And then he yep. made records starting, you know, when he was really young, but uh, then continued. And I actually saw him play at uh, Mercury Lounge, maybe like yeah. 25 years ago or something like that. 20. I mean, the 70s were interesting because, you know, David Soul made a record and that John Travolta actually jumped oh, from yeah. acting into, into making records for a while. But then you also get like, um, Oh God. Um, Anson Williams and Donnie most from happy days making records. Yeah. Right. You get like, Anson Williams had a great voice. But everybody was making records. I know it was a little silly, but Anson did have a very good voice. Does, did. I don't know. You know. <laughs> if only the kids from My Three Sons got together and did a record. <laughs> um, the, the Brady Girls sing the Supreme. Well, you know, Barry Williams still has sing a show. Supremes. Barry Williams still has a show at uh, in Branson. Okay, um, well. It yeah. sells very well. And he does a Bowie-themed show. Um, oh, my God. I want to see that. No, you don't. Um, yes, I do, just for the kid factor. You know, I, I would say, too, um, at a time when everything that's terrible and kitschy is new and cool again, you know, like cargo pants and things, right? The Randy Macho Man Savage uh, rap album is coming out <laughs> on vinyl, right? I'll and go get that right away. It is moving <laughs> hundreds of thousands of units. Is it? It I. I don't understand the world I live in anymore. Right? <laughs> but like there was that horrible phase in the eighties where rapper, where like wrestlers made records and art entertainment, um, like music or um, like soap opera stars made records. You know, it was just like, come on. Stop but that it. stuff really is the equivalent of I'm launching a furniture line at yeah. rooms to go. You know, it's just something to put their name on. It's just something to keep their name in the public you know, in between acting yeah. gigs or something. But I also think, you know, it's, it's part of the, the sordid story of like celebrities making records though. Right. It's like, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. They're like for every good one there is, there's like 10, just what is this? Right. Yeah. But that's also kind of fun too. Cause some of us really like terrible records um, <laughs> just to like kind of explore that. But there's, there's a lot of people that made just rancid records. Yeah. So. I, you know, when we were talking about Katie Seagal, too, that reminded me that I wanted to bring up Jeff Bridges, uh, who also has had a very good musical career. Yes. Um, yes. He did a, what's a movie one. he did where he played the, the country western singer. But, you know, yes. 
that was really good. And then the Bradley Cooper, the Bradley Cooper thing with Lady Gaga is not as terrible as, as I expected it to be. Oh either. man, I thought that was really great. That mm-hmm. was really, really good. And that oh, record was like on away. the charts for like a year. Yeah. Oh my God. It would um, not stop. Yeah. yeah. That thing was everywhere for the longest amount of time. I was super impressed with that. Do not yeah. get that stuck in my head. Okay. Again, because okay. it it will, <laughs> and then it won't dislodge for three weeks. Okay. I feel it. I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you a, a wave file later. <laughs> Please do. No, I won't. Right. I won't do. Okay, good. All right. So uh, that was a that was an interesting topic. I yeah. didn't know how far we would be able to go with that, but that's pretty good. Um, we're gonna take a break here. We're gonna slip in a real quick thirty second ad, and then we'll be right back with our picks of the week. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Hitchhiker's Guide to Podcasting has this to say about the weekly Earth Station One podcast. Mildly entertaining, not nearly as exciting as the popping of bubble wrap, but slightly better than listening to Vogon poetry. Be mildly entertained by Mike and Mike as they tackle an assortment of geeky topics each week. Check out the Earth Station One podcast and let your inner geek out to play. All right, that's that. So we're back, and we're going to talk about our picks of the week. Rob, what you been doing this week? I, I will say, and I can't remember if I talked about this or not, but Depeche Mode have released a new single called Ghost Again, and it's surprisingly fantastic. The whole album is about grief, um, but it's really, really surprisingly good. Um but the, the first single from it is called Ghost Again. That's really good. Uh, Dry Cleaning have a new EP called Swampy. Um, that's just fantastic. So I've been listening to that a lot this week. And then, um, so Alan went out of town and I went to get books, uh, music books, and, which is insane because I have a stack of music books I haven't even read yet from like 19 years ago. <laughs> but I did get Wesley Doyle's uh, Conform to Deform, The Weird and Wonderful World of Some Bazaar, which is a history of Some Bazaar Records, uh, the label that gave you Soft Cell and Blamange and Cabaret Voltaire. And it's a really great read. It's fantastic. Next on the list, though, I am super excited about is John Higgs' book that I didn't even know came out. I literally just saw an ad for it and said, mine. Uh, but it's called Love and Let Die, Bond, the Beatles, and British Psyche. And it talks Ooh. about Love Me Do and the first Bond movie came out in England on the same day, 60 years ago. And it sort of tracks Bond, the history of Bond with the Beatles and how it relates to English culture and English pop culture. It's fantastic. Oh, that sounds great. It's fantastic. Um, there's a really great writer um, named David Hepworth, who used to write for The Word magazine and put out a, a book on 1971 a couple of years ago and a couple other interesting books. And we talked about this uh, on an earlier edition of the show, but he's written a book about Abbey Road. Uh, Abbey Road, the inside story of the world's most famous recording studio. And he got Paul McCartney to do the intro for it, which is awesome. Super. Um, I'm about 40 pages in, and it's great. And it gives you just a lot of practical experience about Abbey Road as a building and a facility, too, Um, which is interesting just to kind of learn the, the history of the actual space. And the one that I, I think will also pique Alan's interest, so I'm apologize ahead of time. Um, this guy named Tim Bouvery wrote a book called Perfect Pitch, 100 Pieces of Classical Music to Bring Joy, Tears, Solace, Empathy, and Inspiration. And it's basically he picked 100 pieces of classical music, some popular, some not popular, all of them probably known by known to Alan 
or somebody who studied more classical stuff. But he talks about sort of why classical music is important, one, uh, and then why classical music sort of is great for moods and emotional spirits and how it resonates with like the essence of being human. And it's very, it's a very passionate look at classical music and why it's important and what it does as a musical form. And as someone who's been trying to read more books on classical music in the last uh, six or seven months or so, it's really, really good. And I learned a lot about a lot of pieces that I've heard a hundred times, but I learned lots of things about them and, and listening to them in different ways as well. So that's my, that's my list. Cool. All right, Stephanie. Oh, I have nothing for you this week. I literally don't. I have been recording <laughs> my own. I have been recording actually a song, but it's uh, that's I've been doing working and nothing else pretty much. So I sorry. believe Zip. someone that lives with you has a music video. Out. Oh my God. <laughs> What's wrong with me? And it's not the cats. <laughs> me. Okay. My husband, Bob Perry, has a new music video out right now it's fantastic it's called yeah. love is running over me and rob you've been playing that song on the radio which we thank you so much and i actually sing back up on that song and you will see me in the video too please watch it you can find it on youtube bob perry love is running over me and you have yeah. this whole like lifestyles of the rich and famous thing going on in it too. <laughs> it's pretty funny thank you rob it's such a good song and Aww, the video is, is just great with it. But yeah, everybody should go and watch it because A, it'll give more hits for the YouTube channel. B, yes. they'll hear a really terrific song. And C, hearing the really terrific song will inspire them to go and hear the whole album. That's right. Called A World Like This. Yes. Thank you, guys. You rock. All right. <laughs> so um, as Rob alluded to, I went to L.A. for the past week. And so I've got some stuff to talk about from that trip. The first one on the plane, on the plane trip to LA, um, it's a long flight. I mean, five hours is a lot for me. Um, I got to watch, you know, some TV and I came across a documentary that I hadn't heard of before. And it just came out last year and it's called Let There Be Drums. So I was like, I got to watch this. So it's this documentary about drummers and it gets really into the psychology of drumming. And it's very, very cool. It's got uh, Stephen Adler and Jason Bonham and Stuart Copeland and oh my God, Taylor Hawkins and Mickey Hart and all kinds of stuff. So it's um, written and directed by Justin Kreutzmann, who is the son of Bill Kreutzmann. So this this it, it starts out as a documentary about drumming, but it gets into like the relationship of fathers and sons and how that shapes a drummer's psychology and it's just an amazing film so i highly recommend that um i went to amoeba records because every time i go to la i hit amoeba records and i got a couple of new things that i haven't actually listened to yet so i'm going to save those for another show but the big thing that we did while we were out there was that we went to a taping of the masked singer and that was an experience um, it was the same night that the new season debuted on television. We were in the studio watching a taping of the next to last episode. 
Uh, and it was, so I know who goes into the finale, but I cannot say because of the NDA that I signed. Sworn to secrecy. Exactly. So uh, it was a super interesting process. Uh, we were standing for literally like seven hours because you line up to go through the security and sign your NDA and, and be told all the rules. And then you're bust over to the studio where it takes place. And then you stand there for an hour and then... Before they even start shooting the show, they shoot audience reaction shots. So the audience has to do like you have to like react like something amazing just happened <laughs> or something like somebody just got unveiled and you and you're like, what? How is that even possible? And then when they've That's performed funny. and you and you have to act like. Who could that be? I can't even figure it out. Who do you think it is? So they do all the audience reaction shots first, which I thought was so fascinating. And then they shoot the actual episode. So a one hour episode took a couple of hours to shoot. We were there for four hours easily. And then after the episode was over, they did pickups. So they had Nick Cannon uh, do uh, you know, redo some of his lines from from that episode. They had him do some pickup things from previous episodes. They even reshot a performance from one of the previous episodes. So um, I, I can't tell you which one now, but uh, one of the episodes that, and one of the uh, performances that you'll see along the season, it did not happen the night that they're showing it. It was from our night that they, you know, reshot. I thought it was wow, so that's, interesting. That's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. It was an exhausting day because we you know, got up at four o'clock in the morning to go to the airport, got on the plane, went to L.A., um, checked into our hotel, went to the place. And we didn't get home from the, the show until like 1030 or 11 L.A. time. It was exhausting. Mm -hmm. So, But it was so interesting to see the process, the way it happens. That's so cool. Yeah, it was fun. All right, so that wraps it up for this week. Um, man, I am so excited about next week's show. Stephanie, you want to tell us who we have on? Yes, we have your friend and mine, Tom Bojor from, well, he wrote the book along with Richard Beinstock, Nothing But a Good Time. And we are going to just jam out, rocking and rolling, talking about how Tom and Richard got the idea to do this whole book and how it came together and all the fantastic stories that are in it. And it's going to yeah. be an amazing, an amazing episode. And as the title implies, this is all about the hair metal scene. Hells, yeah. Holy shit. Which I was so, so awesome. into. And Tom was too. He yeah. was, he's a little bit younger than me. He's, um, but he was, I mean, obviously they, they have such love for it and, and it, it was just Really, nothing but a good time. So I can't his, wait. To mm -hmm. His encyclopedic knowledge of all of that I is know. just astounding. They really have it down. Yeah. That the book is fantastic. So yeah, why yeah. doesn't everybody read that book this week, and then yeah. we can all discuss it? Yeah, it goes through basically the origin stories of Motley Crue and Cinderella and Poison and striper and all those winger bands that came out of that scene and winger oh so bands. i man i'm so excited to talk yeah, about that awesome when i've when i first started reading the book i was like we gotta get these guys on the on yeah. the show because I, I would love to interview them and then like months later you were i think you said something stephanie about you know i'm friends with those guys that wrote that book nothing but a good time i'm like holy <laughs> shit <get on> the show. <laughs> yeah 
So here it is. We're finally going to be yes. doing it. Yeah, I, I am such a huge fan of that that scene, that whole yep. time. The Me MTV, the, the way it just revolutionized MTV. Man, yep. that's good. Yep. All right. So uh, make sure you join us next week for that. For this week, I'm Alan. That's Stephanie. And that's Rob. You guys, we got to tell our listeners where they can find more about us. So, Rob, lead us off. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Insta and Twitter and post under Rob Levy. I'm just my name, nothing fancy. And also on Wednesday nights on KDHX in St. Louis. Uh, if you go to www.kdhx.org, you can look up Juxtaposition. You can listen to it live on Wednesdays from 7 to 9 Central Time. Or if you have a life or you're doing dishes that night or maybe you're buying a llama, you can listen to it on the archive stream later at uh, kdhx.org. All of our shows are there. You can check them out. Llama. Oh, I wish I could listen to the radio tonight, but God damn it, I have to buy that fucking llama. <laughs> <laughs> you got Alan. Holy shit, that's hilarious. I don't have a llama, but I have a cat. If you hear my cat purring right now, can can you hear her purring on my lap? She's no, I wish that would that would soothe me. Oh well. Um right. so I'll tell you before because she's gonna start to go bananas soon. Okay. Um you can find me at therearebirds.com. You can find me on Bandcamp just under my name. You can find me at Facebook under Stephanie Seymour Music and on Instagram at there underscore are underscore birds and all the streaming platforms everywhere. Sweet. Our best friend, Anthony, who is not with us tonight, uh, you can find his Doctor Who podcast, Watchers in the Fourth Dimension. On all the all the podcast platforms, it is a show about Doctor Who. They review every televised story of Doctor Who from the very beginning up through. They have made it up through the uh, through season thirteen, which is the second Tom Baker season. And uh, go listen to it because it's a fantastic show. And also, when I am not shopping for a llama, I <laughs> write books and do podcasts. And you can find stuff about all that shit. At cosmiccreative.com. That's K O Z M I C creative.com. All right, we'll be back next week with Tom Bajour. Can't wait. Till then, take care, have a great week, keep rocking on, and we'll see you around the bend. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the T Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.